Okay, good evening, everyone. Today is Tuesday, June 15th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's steps are eight and nine, and our speaker tonight is Janet Z from LA. Thank you so much, Janet. Take it away. Hi, I'm Janet Z, and I am from Los Angeles, and I am hopping away from the from the camera for one second. Because I'm at the office and I didn't bring my own AA12, uh, my own uh, AA big book. So I'm grabbing one off the shelf. Um, I happen to be that special worker that we talk about in the traditions. I, um, I'm the office manager for the Los Angeles Intergroup and the San Fernando Valley Intergroup in, um, in California, in Los Angeles. And um, I am um, just privileged to be here and I wanna, I wanna uh, thank Amy for asking me to speak. We had no idea I was gonna speak at Cornwall to, you know, 10 days before. So if you heard me speak just recently, I'm going to try and keep my story centered around eight and nine. And um, I really feel that um, um, I can sh show you um, how I earned my seat here. Am I able to screen share? Can you make me a quote? No, thank you, that was fast. So here's a picture. Uh, it's not showing it, is it? Hang on. Stop sharing. Screen share. This we picture. saw it. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. I didn't see it. Okay. All right. Very good. So I definitely am a compulsive overeater. I never suffered from anorexia, um, but I do know that um, that no matter what side of the scale you came from, when you got here and earned your seat to be here, um, that it's painful, it's devastating, it's a cruel disease and it leads to insanity institutions or death and i was headed for the loony bin for sure um i was um i was told my entire early life you didn't see that that didn't happen i don't know what you're talking about and um by the time I hit my teen years, I was completely just mentally struggling between what was reality and um, what other people's perceptions were. And unfortunately, I got involved with, I don't know if it's unfortunate, maybe it was really a, a, a blessing. I got involved with drugs at a young age because when I was coming up, when I, when I was a teenager in the 70s, it was much easier to get, you know, something um, illegal than it was to get alcohol. And um, that wound, that 
that led to my having a really, really bad trip on acid and losing my mind and never being the same afterwards and hallucinating um, when the drug had gone away. And um, what my drug of choice was to begin with was food to start with. And then um, my parents made my um, weight like the biggest sin on the planet. You would have thought I was bank robbing and uh, maybe they would have been prouder of me if I was a bank robber than if I were a fat girl. It was a crime in my family. And they dragged me from diet doctor to diet doctor to wait, you know, to all those outside commercial weight loss programs. They put me in the hospital uh, just before my 16th birthday to have my pituitary gland tested because I was 15 pounds overweight. So I get my drama um, naturally. Um, Everything was about blah, blah, blah. We'll take you, we'll get you, we'll buy you, we'll, you know, and uh, in the meantime, you'll go without. And um, it was very, it was very hard. You know, I'm, I had a really good time period when I was a hippie where I embroidered and made all my own clothes. And then when I was trying to get Thanks, Eileen. Um, then when I was trying to get um, uh, more mainstream as I got close to graduating high school, I, um, I remember going to clothing stores and not being able to find anything that fit because I was really busty and I was thick in the middle and size 13 was all they carried. And Lane Bryant was like some old lady store. You couldn't you know, if you wanted a polyester, you know, pantsuit, you went to Lane Bryant. Thank That's you. your first five. Okay, thank you. So um, my mother bought me this pantsuit that was the bane of my existence. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember the original Batman series in the 60s. And the Joker wore this suit with these huge lapels. And um, my mother bought me a like a whorehound check, um, black and white pantsuit with a faux velvet collar. And the pants, in order for the top, the jacket to fit, um, she had to buy two sizes bigger. So the pants, I was just drowning in them. I really looked like the Joker in this thing. And she made me wear it everywhere we went because fat girls didn't look good in dungarees. So I finally succeeded on a diet of my own. I dropped my weight temporarily. I got married as fast as I could. I moved out to the west side of town. And so began my struggle of trying to look normal. And um, my journey here was dotted with um, a lot of self-will, a lot, a lot, a lot of self-will, thinking that I could figure this thing out. It's like when people wind up in relapse, 
thinking that they'll go back to OA as soon as they lose a few pounds. You know, it's like the answer is here. Why am I out there trying to, you know, do more research? So I finally got here in my early 20s. I stayed for 13 years. Um, I couldn't stay abstinent. I had so many secrets from myself. I wound up um, stepping back from the meetings and 20 years went by like that. And I got to that weight that I just showed you, which I don't have any clue how much I weighed. Um, the, um, the miracle of the program overtook me six and a half years ago when I finally got back here in earnest. And I haven't got any other ideas left. I had not one idea left in my head. And I, and I surrendered. I reached out to a God I didn't believe in and I asked for help. And so what happened for me is that the food, I was relieved of the obsession. I had never successfully white knuckled through an entire day in my life. I do not eat sugar. I do not eat white flour. I have not eaten those substances in six and a half years. I have been blessed with the gift of abstinence that, that you know, they talk about in, in step 10, you know, on, on page 84, um, or is it 83, um, 83 into 84, no, 84 into 85, which talks about that we're just put in this neutral place and, and we're not fighting it anymore. And so what had to happen for me to get into that place and keep it was I had to get through the steps. I had to do them earnestly. And when I had 30 days of abstinence, I started working again after five years of being disabled and not even mentally able to pull it together to show up for a job. And I went through the steps. I did my fourth step. Every single item on my fourth step was financially related. I got back to work part-time. I started to make amends. I started to make those financial amends. I started to, I choke on the word financial there. <laughs> I started living in eight and nine because it took a wide expanse of time to pay these debts working part-time. But after a year, A year and a half, uh, my car died and I was able to buy a new car with a little bit of a down payment and my own signature on my own credit. And that was from a rigorous working of eight and nine and really getting down on paper who I had harmed financially and sticking to my part. And I had this really I had this, I had this problem. I had borrowed this money from this woman. I never asked for it. She brought it to me and said, here's what I want you to do. And then give it back to me in 90 days. Well, 90 days later, I was disabled from a car accident 
and she wouldn't speak to me about needing more time to pay it. Wound up in bankruptcy, wrote it off in bankruptcy, and went on my merry way. But I kept dreaming about her. And I kept dreaming that I still worked for her or that I was trying to work for her or I was in a social situation where she snubbed me. And I had a reset on my abstinence last October. I talked about that um, um, Saturday before last. Um, I'm coming up on eight months of abstinence now and I am entirely abstinent. I am not what I like to refer to as I'm no longer abstinish. I, I eat what I say, I say what I eat. I, you know, food that I struggled over, that I tried cutting out, I tried, you know, using my will to eat less calories. None of that worked. But when I sat down and I did this eighth and ninth step, it was really easy to maintain really easy to maintain my food. And so I made the commitment to pay this woman back. I made a date of when I was going to pay it. I got the money to pay it through the grace of God. I had a plan on how I was going to do it, but it seemed to fall in my lap. And I sent it off and I breathed a sigh of relief. And I didn't know if she would tear it up or read the card or what she would do. She cashed the check really fast. And I felt free. I felt completely free. And I think that what's important here for me is all of the justification that I did from 1988 to 2021 when I paid this money back. And, um, you know, I wrote it off on bankruptcy. She took it off her tax return. We're even, you know, I never asked for the money. I mean, every reason in the book why I didn't owe this money. This was a linchpin for me. This was where I really saw how I played victim in my life. And I actually was the perpetrator. And I could not see it. I could not see it. And God just brought it to me. I mean, those dreams got more and more real and more disturbing. And, um, and now I've had one dream about her. And it was not difficult at all. And three times the amount of money I paid her back showed up two weeks after I sent off the check. And my life is opening up in ways that I could not have imagined. Um, I've made um, I've made a living amends. Um, I have a sister who's very well off, but she can't show up for anything. And we have a sister who has Alzheimer's and it falls on me to do everything to take care of her. But my sister and brother-in-law write a check every month and um, to help pay her rent so she can be in a, in, a, in, in, a, in a really decent place. 
I had this resentment. I thought my sister should pay me for taking care of our sister. And when I got that down on paper and I read that ugly truth to my sponsor, she just looked at me and said, you're trying to monetize your sister's Alzheimer's. I was like, oh my God, I am, I am. I want to be paid to do what God put in my life to do. And since then, the resentment I had about my other sister just fell away. And what's happened since then is I have a side hustle that I do and it's exploded. It's exploded. I have more money coming into my life than I've ever had. Five minutes left. Thank you. And that was the last struggle that I had in life. I mean, I've got the intimacy. I've got the life partner. I have a really strong, good marriage. My, my food is good and clean. I have a, um, uh, a wonderful little family, my husband and our two little dogs in our little condo. And the thing I could not get straight with was my money. And it was shameful for me, very shameful, embarrassing. And when I applied for this job that I have, that I've been here six years now, I had to tell them before they ran my background check, I have terrible credit. I haven't worked in five years. I owe all these people money. And they said, if you don't have a criminal record, we'll be fine with it because you told us up, up front. So the humility that I have experienced, and I think I might cry, um, by just showing up one day at a time, keeping my food clean, staying current with my emotions to the best of my ability, has given me a life I could not have imagined. I, I really couldn't have imagined the life that I'm having. And um, I heard God say to me, I'll close with this. I heard God say to me about three or four weeks ago, you have to let loose your grip. I have so much for you, but I can't bring it to you if you don't unclench your fist. That is how God talks to me. And I am so humbled and grateful to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous, and thank you for letting me share. Thanks for sharing. Oh, Janet, thank you so much. Okay, that was awesome. Uh, we will now open the meeting for questions or three-minute shares, as this is a big book study. Sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter or steps eight and nine, which is what's being studied this week. And we ask that you accept this guideline in order to keep our meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host, Kira, will call the raised hands in order. So I will set the timer for three minute shares um okay so awesome so who would like to share please raise your virtual hands and kira will start calling on people okay first up we have felicia felicia 
Hi. <laughs> Hello, I'm a grateful um, recovering overeater. I had a question and I wanted to make a statement. Um, my question was, I did. I had to run to the kitchen for a minute, but I didn't get a chance to see your picture. And I was just trying to see if you could show it again real quick. And um, I really appreciate your message. And it kind of, oh, okay, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate that. Um, I can really relate to you. I never thought about questioning, because for me, growing up, I did grow up in, um, I, I thought we were rich as a kid, because my grandma, she knew how to make, like she could take a shack and make it look like a, a castle, but I didn't know we were broke, you know. And but I do remember. Um, I think I did probably have a lot of childhood worries about. I know I did when I got older. I was more cognizant of uh, being aware that I didn't really know where I was going to get breakfast or dinner because they gave free lunch at school. So um, you kind of it kind today's share kind of makes me really kind of think about maybe a lot of my eating problems may have to do with worries of, of finances as a kid and not really knowing, you know, like what really is going to happen. So I kind of struggle with that today. So thank you for listening. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you for your share. Thank you so much. Next, we have Marianne. Thanks so much for calling on me. Um, Janet, thank you. My name is Marianne. Thank you so much for your lead share. I couldn't have related more. I was just thinking today about the connection between, for me, the connection between um, limitations or, and um, my uh, dysfunctional relationship with finances and food. And to hear you share today is just like, whoa, I was really supposed to hear your share. So thank you for that. And I haven't gotten to steps eight and nine yet in this program, but um, in another program, uh, which is my main program, I was at step eight and then unfortunately my sponsor passed away while I was working on step eight. And um, that was just a month ago and I'm still grieving her loss. Um, and I was having a hard time with step eight even before she passed away. Um, and feeling very like making a list of people and the list was filled with people who I felt owed me an apology um, was how I was doing step eight. Um, not the best way to do step eight probably. So I've paused on that. And um, I, like I said, I'm not anywhere near step eight. I'm fairly new to OA um, having come in just in January and really taking my time with it. But it's so encouraging to hear about the um, impact that honestly working steps eight and nine have had on your recovery. And it's really, once I do get to that step in this program and in any other program, it's really going to, um, I think, keep me more honest. So um, with that, I will pass. Thank you again so much. And thanks for listening. Thank you. Is anyone else interested in Asking a question. Okay, yes, we have Wendy S. Hi, um, Wendy S. Uh, recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, recovered for today. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Janet. That was that was really touching. That hit me in my heart, um, and I so appreciated um, your share about um, monetizing your sister's Alzheimer's. Um, that really, uh, it definitely hit a personal note for me as well, um, as 
as I too am um, taking over the finances for my parents actually with my sister. And there was so much resentment there. Um, you know, even, even less than a year ago, probably six months ago. And I, uh, did my step eight and nine and I never, ever, ever thought I would, um, need to make an amends for wanting to be paid as, as the executor. Um, and you know, how, how justified I was to like, it, it's so much work and it's like a full-time job. And, um, and it was just amazing to me after going through these steps and, um, and, and realizing my part in it to be able to make the amends, not just to my parents, but to my sister too. Um, and, really to have no attachment, just like the attachment to the food is gone and the freedom from the food. I, I have the freedom from that whole situation. And yeah, it's hard. It's still hard to do. Um, but I do like, I have the freedom from the thought of, I, you know, I need to be compensated for this. Um, and yeah, so it just really hit me that like, yeah, monetizing from somebody else's misfortune when it's put in my path to do as a service. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I'll pass. Thank you, Wendy. Would anyone else like to raise their virtual hand? Or Maxine? Are you able to unmute Maxine? Oh, my God. oh one more time. There you go. Okay. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. I got new glasses and I can't see with my old glasses, my new glasses. I'm anyway, thank you. I'm Maxine, a compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janet. There, you know, I there is so much that you said about, you know. First of all, I was also a product of the, well, not the 60s so much, but, you know, 70s, 80s, rock and roll, drugs, you know, sex, all that stuff. And the one thing I never, I was always fearful. Fear, fear has written, run my life, really run my life. My father used to have to walk me to the bathroom when I was five years old because I was afraid to go down the dark hallway. And I was afraid my parents were going to die before I grew up. The one thing I am grateful for is that I never tripped because I was afraid I would never come back so fearful of it really like you just if I you know you just like I mean I'm never going to trip now but put the kibosh on that for sure and um you know I had elderly parents I was the youngest I took care of them I never my parents were poor so there was no money which I'm very grateful for because there was no fighting well there's not that there's any fighting amongst my fit my relatives like my brother is 11 years older than me he had his own life you know my sister is married to a crazy man so that was you know not there um but i have resentments against my sister and my brother-in-law that i will never ever be able to get past just not happening and i've you know i've tried to rectify it in the past and I, there were times where it was a good relationship but you know it's a no never it's a no never for me and really no never and um, 
you know, it, it really, you know, my mother worked, my father worked and I used to have to make my own meal and I ate what I wanted to eat, you know, and you know, it was just, that's the way it was. I was the youngest. I was the only one there. I had to make my own meal. My mother would make food in the morning and I would eat what I wanted when she, you know, when I came home from school. So uh, where did my food come from? I have no idea where my obsession came from. It, you know, I was in another program that I don't have a problem with. So um, it's like this thing I just can't, like today so far, I'm abstinent for the first time in a long, you know, in like, since what? I came in February, so I was good March, like not good, but I was abstinent March, so since April. So, so far today, I got it. Now I just got to get through the rest of the night. So I need your prayers for me guys, because that's the hardest time for me. So that's it for me. Thank you. Thank you, Maxine. Is anyone interested? else interested in raising their virtual hand? Okay, we can stop the recording now.